0: Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo Podcast. You can connect with us online at FaithPeshtigo.com. We're also located on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Jay and Pastor Robbie talking about the sermon from January tenth, twenty twenty one. I don't like hosting.
1: Well, I like being I like being here for, for to provide <laughs> contemplative hmm. Hmm. But I don't well, it um, feels
0: weird if I'm like, so I was, th- I, I can't just talk for. Can't you? Oh, I can. I should not just talk for 12 minutes and mm-hmm. have you go, oh, that's interesting. Okay. <laughs> now it, it feels. That's my role. I'm pretty sure that's in my job description. You then are Victor Anderson in my standup bit in high school. When I tried my first stand up comedian bit, I had him come up with me as my sidekick. Yeah. And he just stood there and nodded and smiled. And said, yep. <laughs> that's, tonight, the part of
1: Victor Anderson will be played by Robbie Helene.
0: Yeah, that's what it feels like. Right now. I miss right. those.
1: Remember that? Remember when a, you would just replace a character with somebody else when they were sick? What? That was the
0: thing. That was in, like,
1: 80s soap operas, right? You got to shoot every day, and so someone gets the flu, and you can't not film, and so... They would, there would be a little voiceover that would be like, today, the part of David Andromeda will be played by Pete Vansetti so that everybody knows that dude that nobody recognizes is that character that was on every other episode.
0: I have, first of all, have no idea what you're talking about. And secondly, how do you know this much about 80s soap operas?
1: Well, I grew up in a home where as the world turns, made occasional appearances in the afternoon.
0: That's not occasional appearances. If you knew that, hey, that's not who plays David Andromeda.
1: <laughs> I think the horrifying thing is, I think that might actually been the real name of one of those characters. That, it just <laughs> sounds like it. That's the well, name that popped into my head, but that feels very legitimate soap opera name ish.
0: That I'm, I'm just I'm picturing. 7-year-old Robbie sitting there on the floor with the TV that sits on the floor you know that you had to go up and change the channel on yeah oh yeah. yeah yeah that TV you're sitting there just watching the soap operas and being like hey that's not David Andromeda or or
1: more likely holding the antenna so as to get a better reception for that particular channel for my mom
0: I never had to do that no yeah i don't i guess we just lived in a Maybe in Iowa because it was flat. I don't know. We just so that
1: didn't... was our, our kitchen TV had the rabbit ears that you'd have to do that. And then our main, our primary TV in the family room was one it was one of those big wooden, wood encased yeah. beasts. Yeah, yeah. And that one had the little, on the, on the channel changing dial. Yes. It had that little wheel that yes. you'd like pull out and then twist in uh-huh. order to, to fine tune the.
0: Oh yeah. We had that. I remember watching yeah, whole game like whole basketball games through like black and white snow on the T V.
1: Oh yeah. And it, that was the best you could get at that time. Yeah, it'd be it like snowy like or snowing like, outside.
0: Or it'd be like that rolling shutter effect where it'd be oh. like all bent and so like you know, the guy on the basketball court looked like he was seven twelve, which is another word for right. eight feet. <laughs> Why? 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 Seven. <laughs> you come up with David Andromeda <laughs> on the spot, and who was the other one? Vansetti. In UK. And I come up with seven twelve. Seven twelve. <laughs> I have all the numbers to choose between one and eleven, and I come up with twelve. Well, it's better than thirteen. I it guess. Worked.
1: Yeah, it is better. It's an actual number. Just the
0: not the most concise way. I to it. I guess. Say yeah, it, it would have been better than saying seven blue. That's that. No, it been worse.
1: Yeah, that's we when I to... call the ho- a hospital.
0: This is derailed. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I am your long-lost host, or one of the hosts, Jay, and joining me is Robbie. It is good to have you back, Jay. It's been a while. It has been a while. Yeah. And we I were thought... just talking about that. Like, I just said it host, but you said you don't like being the host. No, I don't care for the hosting. It feels like a lot of responsibility. But then you also don't like talking on the podcast. That's correct.
1: This is, this is your fault for inviting an introvert to be your podcast partner.
0: Yes, it is my fault. There are lots <laughs> of things that are my fault. Speaking, well, speaking of something that's not really my fault, or at least I don't think it is my fault, uh, we've gotten a lot of questions. So one of the nice things about being on a little break over the holidays, at least for me, was that I was able to accrue a bunch of questions. Yes. And really, it came down to one main question that is burning in the minds of our hmm. listeners, evidently. Hmm. Okay. Would you like to know what that is? Nah. Just kidding. Yes, I would very much like to Thanks know. Thanks for joining us, everybody. That'll do it. Um, <laughs> it's the shortest podcast ever. Um, the question that I think a lot of people want to know is, why do we not get more of Jay playing the cajon?
1: Ah, huh. that's come up regularly. Regularly. Huh? From from how many people? Look, it's...
0: I'm just, Roughly? I'm a... You know, I could round it. I don't know. Like, radical seven. <laughs> I don't know. I it's a it's it's a good number. I'm just saying that it, people just want to know. I feel like I feel like you've been dodging that. The criticism Have I? the criticism of the music pretty much centers around
1: a lack of J on Jay Cajon. Yeah, I is. Is this the appropriate context to mention when I tried to schedule again, but you didn't respond to my scheduling request?
0: Uh, I never or saw should that. Should we do that later? I never saw that message. Okay, we'll talk about that later. Did you really? I did. Yeah.
1: When? I have I have upped my scheduling of Jay two hundred percent.
0: Oh, when I see day. that, I just assume that it's like for me preaching, and I'm like, well, obviously, <laughs> you know that okay. I'm preaching that weekend. That explains I, it. Okay, I did see that message. Okay, so that was not about preaching.
1: No, it, you have you have to read the next line beneath it, where it says what the specific role is. Oh, that's
0: a lot of work.
1: And I believe the next line said "rock super hard on, on percussion."
0: Ca- oh man, I so then it is my fault that I've deprived the people. Because Don't deprive the people anymore, Jay. The people of our church have a fever, Robbie. <laughs> the only cure is more cajon. It's more cajon. So, all right. Well, now that we've got that solved, good, one down. The people. What else you got? I think that's the only complaint anybody's ever had about our leadership. So I think that pretty much nails I'm it. I'm not sure that's valid, but let's go with it. I go, all right. So this past weekend, uh, we had a uh, we're going through a series on um, abiding in Christ, or the passages through John 15 through 17, and we talked about abiding in the love of Christ, and that is a big topic. It, so, is
1: indeed, yep. it is indeed, yes indeed I have been thoroughly enjoying this, this series I thought um, It's only been two weeks, Robin. Je- yes, two for two Two for two we're, we're knocking it out of the park I thought Jeff did such a fantastic he job did. Setting it up And then He did uh, And then you took the Knock baton yesterday And And uh, I was about to use a sports reference But I'm gonna I'm gonna avoid the humiliation That will ensue And say You also did an excellent job, Jay Well done
0: Thanks uh, It's such a big topic, though That there were bound to be some questions, and there were questions.
1: You did make several statements that were question-worthy. Not in that they were <laughs> questionable. questionable, but that uh, I, I I knew, oh, that would definitely... Like, if somebody's really listening to that and, and really considering that, there should be some follow-up questions to, okay, then what does that look like? Uh, so I was super encouraged to see that there were people who were that were so engaged that they... Had those follow-up questions, so uh, let's tackle a few. Yeah,
0: we will. That and that is such a challenging thing, by the way. Like, because we don't want sermons that are three hours long. We've talked about this before that we can't we can't explain, go into depth about every point. I do try though. Like, I don't. I, I try not to just leave people hanging and make. I I never want to make a statement that's just like for shock value or whatever, right. and then just move on. If I'm going to say something that I feel like that really needs um, to be unpacked and, and defined better and, and made sure that we, we know what I'm actually saying in that statement, then I, I try to do that. But then sometimes I sometimes I just guess wrong, honestly. Like sometimes I... In what I make, way? Like, well, sometimes I make a statement that I think is clearly self-explanatory in Scripture. Okay. And then people, it hits people differently. And I think, oh man, I probably should have, you know, I should have uh, developed that point a little bit more. And so that's why the podcast is great because... Um, and then there are other times where I know, I know that the statement is people are going to have to stew over it a little bit, and I I could spend two hours, right, you know, developing that idea, and they're still going to have to sit with it because it's because they're heavy things sometimes. And I think there are several things in this message that um, that definitely fit that. And it's important to know that those are those are hard statements for me too. Like I mean, there are several statements in this sermon that I had to think deeply about, okay, if you're saying this, like, you know, are you, are you living this? Are you considering this? And, you know, or is this just like a, you know, theological idea? Hmm. So, um, so yeah, so let's, let's jump into some of those things. Sounds good. Fire away. What do you got? Oh, I'm going to fire away. Okay. Well, one of them was the, uh, the statement about essentially that condoning sin is not our job Ah. or like whether worrying about whether we condone sin is not our job and that that comes from um this this concept of uh, often when i'm talking with people who are um loving people out in their communities or loving their neighbor um there's always this concern of like well i i want to be kind i want to be loving but i don't want to um uh, be seen as agreeing with something that is counter to scripture or I don't want to be seen as condoning sin or um, condoning things that are not right in in uh, according to God's word. and I think that to me is one of the biggest that's one of the biggest um, shackles, I think, on the church to be who the church is. Hmm. like i the more I thought about this, robbie, i the the more I just thought, man, if i could if I could undo one, uh, one teaching that just has been pervasive that I feel like is a, a thread in the sweater that could unravel a lot of the hardness that we have come to, unfortunately, see the church exhibiting in, in the world, it would be that, this fear of like, but what if they see me as condoning sin? Hmm. And you had some interesting thoughts on like where that came from and and why, like how did we even get to this place? Like Because there isn't, I mean, can you think of any biblical um support for that fear
1: there i mean there's always the the kind of paraphrased um you know avoiding the even the appearance of evil um that that you always hear bantied about um though no one can ever point to reference um (laughs) and so there's there's that idea of uh of well, we're supposed to be holy, we're supposed to be separate. And so I, I think there, there is a foundational starting point that is not wrong, necessarily, it just works itself out in a way that that unintentionally puts you at odds with Jesus himself. So Um, so in my effort to say, well, Jesus, it says, be holy as I am holy. And so, you know, and I I want to make sure that I am set apart from the world. I want to make sure that I don't, I don't even have the appearance of, of agreeing with, uh, with these worldly things. Um, First of all, I, I end up misunderstanding what is worldly and what is not. And so I end up focusing on peripheral things rather than core things. That's problem number one. And then problem number two is that's exactly the pitfall that the Pharisees fell into, right? And so we want to, God gave us this law and we want to avoid ever breaking that law. So we're going to create all of these additional rules on top of that. And so what you end up with is, well, scripture says, you know, don't gamble. Well, I want to make sure that I, you know, no one comes into my house and thinks that I gamble. So even though I want to play card games because, car, because card games are fun, I can't have a normal deck of cards. We have to create this new, weird deck of cards uh, that doesn't have clubs and spades and hearts on it, but it has squares and circles and whatever. You know, whatever. You know, we we invent these new games so that we don't ha- give the appearance of evil and and not understanding. Man, that is a definition of of straining the gnat and swallowing the camel. Like I I end up so focused on these weird peripheral things and and like the Pharisee, then I'm defining my holiness based on how good I am and making sure, you know, I don't do what you do. Yeah. Rather than Jesus example of quite frankly, being constantly accused of condoning sin because what is more important is, is compassion and mercy and grace, and and loving the people around you, and and so in order to do that, he has to go to where hurting and sinful people are, and then is constantly accused of because he is among them of being just like them. And as you pointed out, I don't ever see any place in Scripture where he says, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" Like just make sure everyone's clear. I think everything that everybody here is doing is wrong. Um, so j- like he doesn't ever defend himself to the Pharisees.
0: Because that would be the thing that he'd have to say. Yes. Like if he, if that was the stance, if we're supposed to be making stances and being concerned about whether we're, con- whether it looks like we're condoning sin or not, then Jesus would have to start every interaction with any human being with just so you know, that thing that you thought there 30 seconds ago was abhorrent and was an anathema, you know, like it would constantly it'd be constant. Right, but he never does it, and it's not because he didn't see it. It's not. It's because it's not. It's not the point.
1: That's exactly right. And, and maybe it'd be more helpful if I if I actually give a contemporary illustration rather than one from 1952. Um, like that was the way That'd my gr- that's the way my grandparents worked that out. Uh, but but I would argue right now that fleshes out in in very practical ways. Like I have to make sure everybody knows that I am anti-transgender. Yeah. Right? I you the most important thing about me is that you know I am against this thing. Rather than the most important thing about me is that Jesus Christ has saved me from the very thing that produces things like believing that my identity is based on what I create rather than how I am created. Right. So my so my identity is not in who I am in Christ, but in how I'm not like you. And and that's that's broken. That is. And and, and the, the irony is that is created by the that's that is the fruit of the very thing that is causing that other person to struggle with their their gender or sexual identity. Right. It's I'm going to find my identity not in what Christ has created me to be or saved me to be, but in. What I envision myself to be, right? So the irony is the fundamentalist ends up sinning in the identical way as the person that they are condemning because they are trying to create their own identity based on what they do while accusing the other person of doing the same. Do you? Yeah. Am I crazy or am I seeing that accurately? No,
0: I think that's true. And I think another way to kind of look at that is that jesus always values people and relationships over issues like he's he's just not an issues person always he's a people person and the issue that the real problem is the broken relationship and so what Correct. he's doing always is demonstrating his love for his creation his love for the people and his compassion on them because what needs to be repaired is the relationship not the behavior and the behavior is just fruit it's just a it's it's just a symptom it's a pouring out of of the the right relationship or the broken relationship and so i think you know that's why it's so important like if you want to be if you want to be mindful of what what does it look like you condone or that you support rather than being worried about what it looks like your stance on an issue we should be concerned of what it looks like in our stance towards people like do i do i love this person is it obvious to everybody around me we don't worry we don't seem to worry about that we worry about like oh my goodness if i if i'm seen you know sharing a meal with this person or hanging out with this person then these other people might think i think this about this issue right but we don't worry about the fact that oh if i shun this person then they might think that i don't love them that's that's a much big that should be a much bigger concern For us,
1: Well, I think the even bigger concern is that I don't actually love them. Well, right. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to realize the truth that I don't love them because if I loved them, I would be thinking of them rather than me. And I'd be more concerned with the fact that because they don't know that they are dearly and deeply loved by the triune God of the universe, they are desperately trying to fumble in the dark to determine their own identity. I don't feel compassion on that. All I care about in that moment is myself and making sure everybody knows what is true about me. And so, yes, we definitely, the, the we risk exposing what we actually believe about them, which is that we do not love them.
0: Well, and I mean, I guess I agree with that. I think that is for some people, but I do think that there are a lot of people who have been shackled by this, who want their, their instinct and their desire is to actually love and be loving towards the person but they're afraid they' that's fair they're, they've been kind of cornered and backed into this corner and kind of bullied into a corner that says no no, you're gonna look like you condone this you can't do that and I, I you know I had one person say that it was actually really freeing to to just to be set free from that burden to to realize that that's not my job my job is not, um, and, and, cause here's one of the things, man, nobody cares what you condone. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. like nobody, nobody, right. nobody outside the church has ever said, oh, Jay condones this. Well, then I'm going to go do it. You know, he doesn't condone that. Well, then maybe I shouldn't. They, they don't care. And that, that never will speak to anybody. But, um, but you know, on the flip side of that, like, I think not only should we con- like be concerned about what does it look like? you know the, whether we're loving people or not but if there is a place to be concerned about condoning sin it's in the church correct and so the other thing that that just if we really just stopped and looked at it we are so concerned about how those outside of the church will interpret what we condone or what we don't and we have zero concern about what those inside the church would see as us condoning or mm. not I think mm. of things, simple things that are uh, pervasive and destructive like gossip. Yeah. And how often, how often do we in the church participate in gossip or at least sit there and, and not say anything when fellow Christians are disparaging someone or causing division. And we don't say anything because we don't want to be judgmental or offensive. And, we don't even realize how backwards we have that. Paul is explicit. You want to be judgmental and offensive? Do it to people inside the church because that's what's more important. It's the integrity of, of this this body and this family of pursuing Jesus and demonstrating the seriousness of following Jesus, not placing that yoke on someone who doesn't know Jesus or, or love Jesus or follow him.
1: Hmm. I mean, do you think there's a at least part of that is fueled by like there is there is comfort in feeling like well I would never sin in that way but but challenging you in in a sin that I also fairly regularly do I feel a little less comfortable yeah. in doing that right like I've got I've got nothing but grace for you in that particular sin because well I mean I Even I do that, so obviously that can't be that big of a deal if I even do it. And 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 there's this there's a comfort in the separation of, but I would never do this other thing, and therefore I need to make sure everyone knows how wrong that thing is because there's a there's a safe distance between me, or at least I believe that there's a safe distance between me and that thing.
0: Yeah, that's I mean that's why I brought up that's why I used as an illustration uh, wealth. Yeah, love of money, because that's one of those things that we we kind of create our own little world where we say, well, as long as I follow Dave Ramsey's plan, or as long as I do this, then I'm justified in the way I handle money, without Mm. even realizing that culturally, we are we are one of the greediest cultures in the history of the world, as far as just our hunger for power our belief even even rooted in some good beliefs of that all people, you know, all people are created equal and should have equal opportunities and all that but equal opportunity to do what? Right. To pursue wealth. And right. so we like and that's uncomfortable for me because I I like having I like having a house that has like climate control and right. I Like eating at restaurants um, when that was a thing, when people used to be able to do that. And I like,
1: I remember that. I like
0: going on vacation. I like doing these things. And so it's scary. I can empathize with people where I say, if I call you out on your gossip, I also have to deal with my gossip. Correct. But if I just point out this thing out in the world that I've never had a temptation to do, um, then, you know, like, gosh, well, I was thinking. There are other things that I was thinking in my mind, like, um, that, that we just have to be careful of that, that we, that we have to be honest about those things and be willing to have some of those conversations. So absolutely. I think that I mean, that is fair. a, I think that that is a very real thing, but if we love one another, then we will, we'll ask those questions and we'll walk through that. Yeah. And, um, and then that will help us in loving others because we'll realize like, ah, oh, this, this is painful. Like, what is it like to be a part of a culture that has told you your entire life that this is normal and this is good? Yeah. How easy is it to just flip a switch and say, Oh wait, no, that's not right. When we right. aren't even empathetic about that because the Bible is very clear about how God feels about gossip and how God feels about division yeah, and how God feels about being unloving towards your neighbor. And yet, we justify all of those things all the time, even even
1: to the point of claiming that they are the most biblical approach. Yeah, like the most biblical response. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's
0: man, that's so that's alarming. I, I feel yeah, that is alarming. I want to get to the other ones though, so like, let's let's move on. Maybe we can come back to that one at some point. Uh, I do people you, have,
1: one, one if okay. I can if we can transition one one thing that you said earlier that I just I wanted to to. It, it brought a mind a scripture. And so rather than ending oh, yeah. this p- portion on <laughs> your and my
0: okay, profundities, you,
1: like, <laughs> you, you mentioned earlier, what, you know, why, why are we so, so concerned about what, what other people think about what I, what I am against or what I stand for. And, and I immediately went to my, my head goes to Galatians one. Right. So where, where Paul lays out s- several rhetorical questions in a row in, in verse 10, for, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And, and the, the two things that struck me there are, are this idea of am I trying to please man or am I trying to love man? Because those are two very different things. I will do overtly unloving things in my effort to keep you happy with me, right? Or, or to make sure that you think a certain thing about me. So there, I see a, a, a real distinction between seeking the approval of man and seeking to love man. Mm. Um, also, it's it's fundamentally selfish, right? One of them is about what I give, and the other right. is about what I get. Um, which then, Paul sets in direct opposition to Christ, that if I am doing the one, I cannot be serving Christ. Like, And I just don't often enough view them in that degree of opposition, right? I view it as, right. you know, I'm not serving Christ as effectively as I could when I'm struggling with pleasing man rather than, than Paul's very binary black and white distinction here of if I am pursuing the one, I am rejecting the other. And, and I,
0: which it also says about money, which is yes. why I bring that up. Yes. So you, you, right. It's this, this thing of like, yeah, it's not a, it's, it's not like, okay, I got to keep growing in this away from this. It's when I'm facing this, I am in direct opposition right. to Christ. And, if
1: my goal is enriching myself, I am in direct opposition to Christ, and and that is a very hard truth that we need to wrestle with. What that looks like in our context, in in the richest country in the history of humanity, like that's that's a big deal, and we got to figure that out.
0: Yeah, maybe we'll maybe we'll discuss that on a different podcast. That's a good idea for a different one. I I do want to uh, another yeah. question that came up was I made. I made this statement. I knew was gonna. Okay. This, <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? I
1: I'm a, I can guess. Can I guess? Sure. Go ahead. Uh, demons tell the truth.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a fun one. I,
1: that is a fun one. Okay.
0: So I do want to be careful about this though, because someone said, "Well, you said that." So I made the statement that in Scripture, the only two entities who are always speaking the truth are Jesus and the demons. Now, first, Robbie, I would ask you, do you agree with that statement or do you feel like that was an oversimplification or an unhelpful? I don't know.
1: Uh, Well, I'll be honest. When you said it at first, I definitely had the, "Mm, well, is that? But I, I definitely believe that there is a way that you can say that 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 is true.
0: I mean, and and I said scripture. I misspoke here. In the sermon, I said the gospels. So in the gospels. Yes, that's true. You said said in the gospels. In the epistles and other places, there are lots of people who speak truth. But as far as people, characters in the gospel narratives who speak. Right. The disciples are often saying things that are off the wall and batty. Um, Clearly, the Roman Authorities and the, and the Pharisees and Jewish leaders and they're, they're saying right. things that are off the wall constantly
1: being corrected. Yeah, but it, it definitely is. It, it definitely stands out that even even in the temptation in the desert. Yes. Jesus response to Satan is not no what you said is wrong. Nope. His rebuttal is always what you said is incomplete. Because it can't be wrong, because he's literally quoting scripture right. every time, right? So when the demons cry out, you are the son of God, that's that's a fact, right? Nobody around him, including his disciples, understand that, but the demons know precisely who he is, so they're speaking truth in that. Satan is quoting scripture to Jesus, so he is obviously speaking the truth in that. Um, so So how then... How then can he speak the truth and yet be the father of lies?
0: Right, and I, and I think this is a really critical thing for us to understand, especially right now in the division in our country and everybody wanting to talk about like what's the truth and what's what are facts and the the issue is that that the demons and and Satan um, they use truth to destroy, to divide and destroy. That's right. They they aren't using truth to for the end of truth and life and love and freedom they're using it twisting it saying things that are technically true but with a desire to kill and destroy to yes. steal kill and destroy that's so not only is Satan a liar but he's a thief he's not um, and so you don't you don't trust that that voice and so the point that I was trying to make that I think is so important is that just a person speaking a fact that is true doesn't doesn't mean you should listen to them and that shouldn't correct. be our highest standard of like well that's that's the most important thing i'm not saying it's not important i'm not saying that you know somebody could be loving and then speaking lies and therefore you should be listening to them i would argue then that they aren't loving correct but you can I wanted to demonstrate that you can absolutely speak truth and not only be not in line with Jesus, right. but absolutely 100% opposed to Jesus.
1: That I think that is a very difficult concept for us to grasp practically, right? Even though there's, there's evidence throughout Scripture, Old and New Testament, I would argue, and even though james explicitly says like oh congratulations you believe this doctrinal truth so do the demons uh but they obey it so technically they're better than you in that regard right um like so and and i would argue that that therefore that means uh that a a demon can be doctrinally accurate because they know script they understand it they are living it like they understand the true doctrine better than we do because they don't see through the mirror dimly in the way that we do the, right. the issue is that uh, because they are unredeemed they manifest none of the fruit and and will not cannot obey it so am am i able to understand like that just like truth in and of itself detached from love like we were to speak truth in love and the reason that those things are inseparable is because because Satan knows truth and is incredibly good better than we do and and is incredibly good at using it in order to destroy and so just holding proper doctrine cannot be the answer I have to be able to look but what does that produce in me and those that I am shepherding
0: yeah, and I think, I think one way I, I started to say this in the sermon, but I, I just I wasn't so confident in the illustration. But having thought about it, I think it still could be helpful. It's and you always make fun of me. You make fun of me when I use math parallels. I think I used one. I think I said something. Something slipped out that I was like, oh, that's math. Robbie's gonna make fun of me for that. I don't
1: make fun of you for using math. I make fun of you when you <laughs> use a math illustration as though everyone's oh, super okay. excited about right. math. Okay, yeah. that's the thing.
0: Yeah. So. There's the whole thing of all squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares. There you go. Yeah. And so truth and love, we, we treat those as like they're these two different entities mm. that you're supposed to balance together. But that's not actually true. Um, ironically, that's mm. not true. The um, You can have truth without love, but you can't have love, real love, like Christ honoring, honoring love without truth. Right. That's like, good. So it's that's the thing that i wanted people to really get is that love is at the head of that stream it's it's not um it's not truth because you can someone can speak truth and be unloving Um, but if you if you love someone if you are loving towards someone then you won't lie to them now you can go into all kinds of illustrations of like well when someone says do you like my haircut and you like, is it loving to say like, no, I hate it. And, um, but then you'd have to a- answer the question of why do you even hate that? Like what's going yeah. on inside of your heart that you care that much? Like, would you not yeah. rather, are you not more excited that they're excited and therefore wouldn't you love the haircut because they're excited about it? Any of those things. Anyway, that's, a, <laughs> I just went down that road for, <laughs> for no reason. That was not helpful, but I think this is really important because what I hear a lot, especially in the evangelical church Is that truth is more important than anything, and I listen. I I listen to the voices who speak the truth, and I Mm. just want to say, Hmm. be careful of that. Yes, that should not be the first question you ask. The first question you should ask is, are they loving? Right? Are they bearing fruit, keeping in with the spirit?
1: Because that is the question Jesus tells us to ask. That's not what Jay is telling you to ask. That is what Jesus tells us to ask and and if because he knows if he said the other if Jesus said is what they're saying true that's the most important thing Jesus is smart enough to know I'm basically handing you over to Satan right, right. because he's going to use that truth to distort and mislead you the answer is does does it does that is is that truth manifesting itself in the fruit that only the Spirit of God produces, because if it isn't, then it's not of Christ.
0: No, and it's, it's ma- just not.
1: No matter how true it is, it is not of Christ.
0: Right, and we have to, and we have to get past like a four-year-old understanding of truth and lies, yeah, right? Because right. Satan is father of all lies, but he's a deceiver, and deceivers, good deceivers, use truth to Correct. deceive. That's that, that's what they do. Like very few. You're not a very good deceiver if you just come up and just tell people flat out lies that are clearly provable in, in, you know, as, as false, you, you manipulate truth. Think about the the garden, you know, the serpent doesn't overtly say things like he's, he's just deceiving. Um, But the whole thing is he's a liar. He's promising something. What makes him a liar is that he's promising something for your good but it's actually meant to destroy yeah that's that's the black and white lie of satan he'll use all kinds of means including just deceiving and twisting truth and so i you know you want to look at the fruit of a person's life we see this you know a lot in our celebrity culture in in the american church and how you know what makes somebody a celebrity in the christian world in in the united states is that they're is it their abounding love for people, or is it their ability to communicate uh, truth in a winsome way that gathers a crowd? Yeah. Now, some of those people are loving. I'm not saying that just because you can communicate truth well means that you're unloving and shouldn't be trusted. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is just the ability to do that should not should not qualify someone as a voice to be listened to. The first question should be: Are they? Are they? Bearing fruit, are they kind? Are they gentle? Are they uh, are they selfless? Are they are they humble? If they're not those things, then we shouldn't be listening to them. You
1: know, if they are devoid of the fruit of the Spirit, that should be a red flag, regardless because of because the Spirit is the not facts in them. They are communicating, right?
0: If the Spirit is not in them, then don't follow them. Like yeah. I, I don't understand. And I know it's hard. Like I remember, there was a pastor not too long ago, a, a well-known pastor who had a uh, who fell from his position, and and it was all these things that people people who were close to the situation said, "We've always known this. There was always this arrogance. There was a lack of fruit and uh, yeah. of the spirit." But he was such a good communicator and right. a good communicator of truth, and knew the Bible really well, and so so many people. Glossed over those things because of that, and it was to their own peril. Like it was to their own destruction, and and we've we've had to you know deal with that a lot in the church, and we have to be mindful of that. We have to be we have to be thinking and considering. Okay, the voice that I'm listening to uh, is is it a is a voice of of love and of the fruit of the spirit? If so, now you go to the next phase of like okay, and is their understanding of truth like does it is this biblical and i'll give you an example too like the number one compliment that people mean as a compliment to me is that that they appreciate about the preaching here is that we preach the truth and i do appreciate that yeah. we do we obviously strive to preach the truth but i the the usually the compliment or the praise or the encouragement that that means the most to me is when somebody says to me I feel loved, right? I feel like you're loving me as you're saying you're saying hard things, or you're saying these things. You're pushing, and and there's conviction. But I feel, but I feel loved Mm. by it. Like that that matters because if I ever start preaching in a way that convicts but doesn't make people feel loved, right? You know, or understood, or empathized with. Well, then I'm I'm wrong,
1: and and make them more equipped at loving others, right?
0: Yeah. Then we're, then we're wrong. So I think, so that's probably, that's probably, man, there's, there's a lot of, there's so many things that we could be. There
1: is, there is a lot in that, man. And what just popped into my head and you can, this is, we we talked about whether or not we should, how transparent it's okay to be in the podcast. I'm throwing this out here, uh, open to correction. So this is just popped into my head like 11 seconds ago. So correct. If you think this is garbage, but, um, I, is it, is it too hyperbolic to say, if, if the statement could technically be true of Satan, that should be your red flag? Like, is that not hyperbole? Like, when when we say things, and, and and the context of that, like, when we say things like, well, yes, they are, you know, fairly unkind, but they speak the truth. Mm-hmm. Like, he, yes, that can also be said of Satan. He is unkind, but he speaks the truth. Like, so that should not be, that should not be a convincing to us um but i'm i'm quick to do that with with people if i go out wow, but their content is so solid even though they have all of these overtly unchristlike like behaviors and and character traits um because their content is solid that's that negates those other things but i i could say the same thing about satan
0: yeah i think i mean i i think that i think that yes that would be my short answer would be yes i would also say though that the flip side of that is true that satan often um presents himself in scripture as an ally i mean that's that's, always always right and then
1: until you realize wait a minute everything that you just said is actually feeding division and condemnation so if you say yes he speaks the truth he's really quick to condemn other people and is really excited to create division within the body of Christ. Right. But he speaks a lot of truth. I go, well, that's what Satan wants to do. Like, so again, so if it's true of Satan, that feels like that should be a bigger red flag than it often turns out to be in these discussions, I feel.
0: Yeah, and and what I'm saying is that I think Though on the other side, when we say, this is why we'd say, well, even if somebody is kind, well, then what are they saying? And yes. is, this, yes. is this truth? Because it can be a self-serving kindness or that can be used to, as, a, as a deception. And so I, I don't want people to hear us as saying, well, all that matters is to be kind in the world, because that is clearly a worldview that um, is in our culture. I would argue it is not as prevalent in our particular church which this is why we produce this podcast and we this is that's for whom um we produce content so um but but when people say like well but so then aren't you just buying into the idea that we'll just be kind to everyone and, and that's really what matters well what really matters is jesus correct so that's what really matters and and we will be kind and we will be loving and genuinely like genuinely i love my neighbor and and if you really love somebody then yeah when when issues come up or if, if that truth will be a part of that but i think I think that we just have to realize so so I guess all that was to say that I agree with that statement and I would agree that you could say that about other things like well this person is really nice and they tell me that I should just go and pursue whatever truth I want and so that truth <laughs> right, for right. me was abandoning my children and my spouse and going and pursuing my own life and that's going to end in their destruction right because so, that
1: is the that is all that is not true and right. by definition also not loving Right, um, it's so I think the, we all it, have is, it is. It like right. is like absolutely. Absolutely, Where you say, like,
0: "Oh, I, I just want you to see me as an understanding and loving person," right? And that's tempting, but I think that's that's where this tension, and I think abiding in the Spirit. So it comes back to abiding in Christ and abiding in the Spirit, and and actually loving people, um, because none of us would say that. Like, I just think about my child, and if they're doing something that's destructive, I'm not going to. I'm not going to not say anything because I'm like, Oh, I don't want them to think I, you know, I'm not an ally. Well, I am going to say something to them because I love them and I don't want to see them be destroyed. And, um, but that's my motivation. Now That doesn't mean I'm always going to handle that properly. Um, clearly, but my motivation is that I love them. Yes. And so, I just, that's, that's the, I just. No,
1: that's an important clarification. And I, I should, I, I assumed a detail in that statement that, that I didn't articulate. And that's, and that's being like, I'm looking at this, uh, when, when I'm listening to two voices who are both speaking truth, how do I know, but, but, but seem to be contradicting one another. How do I know which one of those is the voice that should bear more weight And, Mm -hmm. and to me, that's the distinction of, well, the one who is speaking truth in a way that Satan could also speak truth probably should not be the one that bears more weight in that disagreement. Because, you know, we, you know, I remember wasn't that long ago that the, that the mantra of the American evangelical church was character counts, right? Right. Character counts, character matters. And, but we've somehow, for some reason, seem to have lost that. And, and character does not matter as long as you're speaking truth. But I, Jesus overtly disagrees with that. The bulk of Scripture disagrees with that. And, and like to me, when I have those two voices in front of me, I, I want to look at the character of the individual who is speaking that. Are they articulating that in a way that reflects the meekness and gentle humility of Christ? is it in a way that is winsome and gracious and compassionate and loving or is there division and condemnation and judgment in that and and if it is then i want to then based on the truth of first john right but let us not love in word or talk but in deed or in truth i need to say well scripture commands us that 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 truth must manifest itself in loving deeds And if that's not the case, then it doesn't matter what your word or talk is. It's not reflecting Christ or, or at least that voice should not bear the same amount of weight as the voice of the one who is reflecting Christ in their, in their deed.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree. And, and just as we kind of wrap up, I want to make sure that, I mean, the reason that it's good to even have these conversations, like the practical help is I understand we're heading into a season uh, we, we're in a season now, and I think we are just going more deeply into that where we're going to start seeing people in the Christian world who used to be on the same side or seem to be on the same side in the same camp or whatever, turning against each other. Um, oh,
1: we've seen that quite a bit over the last couple
0: of months. Yes, we have. And I think we'll see more. Yeah, And that can be very disconcerting and very um, kind of disorienting to those of us who are just trying to follow Jesus in, in our lives and all of a sudden, you know, this speaker who had an impact on me and this author who had an impact on me and that I respect and admire both of them, now all of a sudden they disagree on this thing and I'm being, you know, kind of forced to choose sides. Mm. And yeah. um, one thing I would say is be careful of like the side who's asking you to choose sides. That'd be one Great question question. Because sometimes we do have to. Sometimes you have to disassociate and say that teaching is actually heresy. That is, that is, uh, and, and heresy is not a word we throw around very no. lightly. But there are times for that. But then there are times where people, the, that's what the Pharisees were doing. The Pharisees kept trying to make people make decisions about things that Jesus was not asking them to, to pick a side on. Mm-hmm. There was a point where Jesus asked to to pick a side but it was mostly the Pharisees who were constantly trying to pit people against one another. And so be mindful, who's asking you to pick a side? Um, you know, right now we've got that with the, I mentioned the watchdog sites on, on Sunday morning, but that's where you go to, what's what's their motivation? You know, that, that we have people in our culture who are making a lot of money off of causing division in the church. Hmm. Just flat out. Their, their whole thing is they are capitalizing on division in the church. It is to their advantage, their personal gain that they cause division. And I don't think I could possibly state with more certainty how, um, how displeasing that is to God. (laughs) If you think about how does Jesus react to those who for personal gain put stumbling blocks before Hmm. others, in knowing God. It's not positive. Oh. Uh, his reaction is not positive to that. It so involves
1: millstones, I it, believe.
0: Millstones and tables tossed. And there, there's lots of those. That's, that's when Jesus expresses his anger.
1: Yeah.
0: And, um, it's never to those outside of the faith. It is always to those who claim to be a part of the faith, but actually mean for destruction and division. So I hope that's encouraging. I hope like as it'll, provide a little bit of clarity as you start listening and and try to figure out like okay can I can I trust this voice or this voice um and and you know we're always here to help in that that to try to make sense to help make sense of some of the things but honestly there's some things that I can't make sense of right now I like every day I feel like someone makes a statement that I go holy cow how um how could you make that statement? And then, and then somebody else will make a statement that I'm like, oh, that's really encouraging. And then I, you know, so it's just, just the it's the world we're in right now, and we need discernment. And mm-hmm. the only way we really get discernment is abiding in the Spirit.
1: So, amen to that. Amen to that. And good discussion today. Yeah, was well, good. I, I thought you were good. more helpful than me. I felt like I was a little off today.
0: But... Well, I've been, I've been like, what? what, what I can't even. <laughs> I used all my words. I literally (laughs) used it all up. All All
1: right. Well, that seems like a good time to wrap up then.
0: I spent it. I left it all out on the court.
1: (laughs) Well done. Well done. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, If you have any questions, we always love hearing those. This entire podcast was based on listener questions, and so we take those seriously. We we relish the opportunity to be able to study those and wrestle with that and respond to you guys. So please. Um, send those send those in by email or catch us on a Sunday morning and, and let us know. Uh, and we are just grateful for uh, your trust that you would tune in and uh, and pray that you are encouraged and blessed by uh, whatever little that we have to offer. Grace and peace, Church.